Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Hour two of the Anita Marks show here at 98.7 ESPN. Oh, I hate losing. I hate losing. Houston, Houston Roughnecks 32, the Seattle Dragons 23. I had Houston minus 12. I did have the over. The over came in, but, but I, I didn't win my, I hate, I really hate, like, I hate, here's the thing. There's two kinds of people in this world. There's people who love winning, but there's people who hate losing more than winning. I hate losing more than winning. Does that make sense? And I lost just now. And I'm really, really ticked off about it. But um, you've got the New York Guardians taking on the Dallas Renegades. That game kicks off in just a few minutes, if not seconds. And uh, I have the under, under 37 in that game. And a small play on New York plus eight. Just FYI. Gosh, I hate losing. Anyway, without further ado, 800-919-3776 is the phone number. You want to get on board. Now's the time to do it. Um, if you don't know, now you know the NBA has sent a memo out to a number of NBA teams um, with the uh, concern for the coronavirus. And uh, they're warning and suggesting to NBA teams that maybe moving forward, that only quote unquote essential staff, uh, media, uh, should only attend the NBA games, not fans. Um, also that temperature checks should be administered on players as well as staff as well, as well as refs. And in fact, uh, the Golden State 76ers game, apparently the San Francisco Department of Public Health advised for them to cancel that game. Where we stand right now in our, in the world, 95,000 people have been infected with the coronavirus worldwide. There have been 3,200 deaths and 15 of those 32 have been in the U.S. Very dear friend of mine, Dr. Nick Morrissey joins me. He's the associate professor of surgery at Columbia. We've known each other for quite a while. You've been in studio before for a number of things. Uh, and I do appreciate you coming in on a Saturday afternoon. Thank you. It's thank you. To be thank here. you. It's it's so good to see. I haven't seen you in forever. I know. It's been a while. It's been a while. So let so let me ask you this. And and again, I, I just want to open up the phone lines. It's great to have you in studio. I have so many questions. I'm sure that a number of our listeners that are sports fans that are sitting back at home and having that conversation. And I know you're a sports fan as well, Nick. Yeah. And and I'm sure that they're having conversations within their home in regard to should we go to the Knicks game? Should we go to the Nets game? Um. When baseball season starts and it's opening day, should we go? If we go, should we wear a mask? 
Should we wear gloves? Like, like those, those, those questions and those conversations are, are, are happening within households. And so I thought it would be really important and great for you to come in today and for you and I to have the conversation. So, so first and foremost, do you think it's wise for the NBA or the NHL, because those are the two leagues that are in action right now, to advise fans to not attend games in the current state we are in right now with the coronavirus? I think uh, it's better to err on the side of safety. I think these uh, organizations are probably doing the right thing and having conversations with the CDC, which is monitoring the situation very closely. And I think um, we just don't know a tremendous amount about this outbreak. And uh, we don't know who's infected because testing hasn't really kept up yet to what we need. I think once that happens, we'll get a better idea of who's carrying and who's infected and will be a, have a better ability to say when people can and cannot go. I think out of abundance of caution, it's wise to um, for NBA and other uh, organizations to advise people to perhaps stay home. It's not the best thing, obviously, for the economics of sport, but uh, public safety comes first. So my N95 mask yeah. arrived today. I saw it. Do you see it? I do. So I posted this. So for folks who don't know, um, the little paper mask that um, your manicurist wears when you go get your nails done does nothing for you. Um, I have a very dear friend of mine who is at the top of the food chain at the CDC, and um, I've been text- I text her every day. She's probably she's probably blocked me by now, <laughs> um, and I'm constantly asking her a ton of questions. And she's the one who told me to order the N95 mask. That this is the one that really can help uh, more so than the others. Um, but, you know, I just – so I posted this on my Instagram and the majority of the reaction on my Instagram was very negative. Like, um, that's useless. How much did you pay for that? You don't need it. This is just the common flu. I, I, I think there are – I feel that, that we are very – it's very polarizing right now in regard to the assumption of the coronavirus. There's, there's a number of people who feel like this is just the common cold, you know, where you pick it up. Any given day. Um, and then, of course, there's others that, like me, that are more concerned. I'm going to be traveling a lot in the next two months. I'm going down to visit Mama Mimi, my mom, soon. I'm going to be driving out to, to Las Vegas for the draft. Um, so that, that's, that was a big reason why I got this N95 mask. But where, where, do you, where do you feel people should stand right now? Should they err on the side of, of – major concern and and be as cautious or should or should they be looking at this and saying you know what this is just like the common cold well it's not just like the common cold in the sense that it spreads very rapidly and as we know it can be fatal uh in certain populations i think it's best not to panic uh fear is not a great approach to this in your case um your likelihood of contracting something very serious is very low because you're a healthy person. The people that we worry about most are the folks who are at the extremes of age, uh, elderly and younger people who have not such great developed immune systems, people who have underlying illnesses, so people who have respiratory disease to begin with, heart disease, cancer. Those are the folks that if they contract the virus are likely to have a bad outcome. So those are the folks that we really want to be focused on in terms of you know, when they develop symptoms, you know, making sure that they get treated properly. Interesting. Um, and you can't get toilet paper anywhere huh. because, right, because like everybody feels that a number of people out there feel that if they do contract the coronavirus, they're going to be quarantined. And then, you know, every, we all need toilet paper. Right. 
Right. Well, there's been a run on a number <laughs> right. of things, right? Like so for a while you couldn't get hand sanitizer in the drugstore and things like that. I think that people need to be cautious and pay attention to things like symptoms. The most important thing as with any communicable disease is hygiene, right? So I advise people to always carry tissues on the subway or hand sanitizer and be and be courteous to other people. If you have a cold or if you have those symptoms, you should stay home at this point because right now the symptoms are not distinguishable from things like the common cold. And we just don't know if someone's coughing and sneezing, whether it's coronavirus or whether it's the common cold. So out of respect for others, it's best to monitor yourself and maintain your own hygiene as well to protect other people around you. Dr. Nick Morrissey in studio with us right now here on 98.7 ESPN. I thought it'd be great to have him in studio. We'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. If you have some questions, you're a sports fan. Maybe you want to go to a Knicks game. Maybe you want to go to a Nets game. Now you're hearing that the NBA is um, suggesting to NBA teams to not have fans attend games because they're worried about the coronavirus. NHL is uh, considering closing the locker room to media. So, you know, I, I think, again, I, I think it's an important conversation for us to have, especially here on 98.7 ESP. And let's go to our phone lines. Let's bring in Randolph from Passaic. Randolph, welcome in. You're on with Anita Marks and Dr. Nick. Hey, Preston. Good afternoon to both of you. I do want to ask a question regarding, and I think Anita touched based on this a little bit. What do you say to a person that basically just tells everybody that we're all overreacting, especially the government institution. And they, they, they just don't believe in this, that they believe it's just a, a common flu that happens normally in the winter. Yeah, I think that's a dangerous approach. And I think that um, every one of us as an individual needs to be respectful of the people around us and understand that this does have the potential to be something much more serious. I think the fact that the government has taken a very proactive approach, you know, today the governor of New York declared a state of emergency. And this is not to set people into a panic, but really to make sure that they take the appropriate precautions. I think anybody who feels like this is an overreaction and um, inappropriate response, just, you know, just sort of pay attention to what's happening on cruise ships around the world where people are are stuck there for weeks on end because they can't leave because of a quarantine. It, it's potentially very serious. We've got more calls coming in, 800-919-3776. I will get to your calls. We've got not Dr. Nick in studio for another 15 minutes. So if you have questions about the coronavirus, now's the time to call in. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. A little different show this this afternoon slash this evening. Uh, why? Because uh, the coronavirus is a very serious situation we're facing here in New York City. 76 people have been confirmed to have the coronavirus here in New York City. And New York State. New York State. I'm sorry, New York State. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Nick Morrissey, good friend of mine, associate professor of surgery at Columbia, has been so kind to come in studio. Uh, and I, I wanted him to come in because of the news of the NBA and, and the potential of fans not being able to attend games. And is that a wise decision on behalf of the NFL, of, of the NBA, as well as there's, there's talk that the NHL is going to do the same. And if you are a sports fan, is it wise that maybe you don't attend games? We've got a number of calls. So, but Nick, really quick, um, I, I asked you to kind of marinate in in my 
travel that's coming up this month, um, you know, should how, how concerned should I be if I'm if I'm going to have to board a flight to go down to Miami to see my mom and if I'm going to have to board a flight to go out to Las Vegas for the draft? So we try to um, break down travel into essential and non-essential. And I think, you know, with the situation with your mom, by the time you have to go, we should have a lot more information about risk and um, testing and who's who's um, carrying. So I think you'd be safe by the time. And that's more of an essential trip for you to visit your mom. Um, for the other things, we really try to, um, to minimize it. You know, I have a f- few talks coming up around the country that I've had to cancel uh, because of uh, just out of caution. Um, we're really not supposed to travel for work unless it's absolutely necessary. So really just out of an abundance of caution, it's best to to minimize travel to things that are absolutely necessary. Here's another thing before we get to our callers, Jacqueline, Javier, Andrew, Craig, hang tight. I promise I'm going to get you all on. I've got, you know, I've got five dogs. Yeah. You know, in fact, Frank, both They're of us. Awesome. I know, I know my dogs are awesome. And in fact, and, and I'm, and I've, I've come clean. Frankie's my favorite. Frankie, I think is your favorite too. So, um, but it, it was reported that, that this coronavirus can, your your pets can get the coronavirus from how how does that happen so i saw some reports about that i'm not sure about the transmission from humans to animals but the 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 best theory about how this came into humans is that it was animal to human transmission at a fish and meat uh, market in china in that epicenter where the outbreak occurred uh so we know that it can go one way. We don't know if it goes the other way, although there may be information about that. I don't think that um, at this point in time our, we should uh, be overly concerned about our pets getting getting sick from this. Because, you know, I care more about my pets than humans. <laughs> and your dogs are very well taken care of, and I'm sure they're taking how sad is How sad is that, that, that we live in a society where we care more? I care more about my pets than, than my friends. Oh, I can't even believe I just said that out loud. Let's go to Jacqueline in New Jersey. Jacqueline, welcome in. You're on with uh, Anita Marks and Dr. Nick. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, uh, my question is, I'm right outside of New York and constantly taking... Uh, the path train. Um, I wanted to see, I guess, what are the chances that I could come in contact with coronavirus and what are the, some of the symptoms, um, you know, if I were to get sick? So that's the thing about this illness. The symptoms are very common respiratory symptoms. The most common things are cough, um, fever, shortness of breath, the things that we think about um, just for the common cold. So um, people are now being much more on alert. Uh, when it comes to being exposed to folks who are having sneezing or coughing or shortness of breath. So the likelihood um, of you getting it in that situation is very low. However, I think it's important that we protect ourselves when we're in, on public transportation and pay attention to the folks around us. And, and also, more importantly, for the folks who do have those symptoms to voluntarily take themselves out of the situation and not expose others to to this. So I think if folks are developing those types of symptoms and they're concerned at all, it's best to avoid public uh, situations just in case that uh, it's not just the common cold, but it may be coronavirus. Like it's the the, uh, the, the 50-year-old attorney who came back from, he was traveling abroad, he came back, he wasn't feeling well, and the next day he got on the Metro North and went to work. Why would you do that? Yeah, so I think that 
there's a lot of stuff happening at different times throughout this outbreak, and I think that we did know about it around those times, but I think uh, we're learning more each day. And so our level of alertness now is so much higher than it was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I was thinking about it. I was driving to Connecticut last weekend, and at that time on Sunday, there were zero confirmed cases in New York, and that's less than a week ago, and now we're up to 76 confirmed cases. So it's happening very quickly. Let's go to Andrew and Nutley. Andrew, welcome in. Hey, Anita, how you doing? Dr. Nick, how you doing? Great, thanks. Um, Anita, I'm, I'm glad you just asked that question about the lawyer, because I'm actually having surgery this week coming up Wednesday um, at Columbia, and I'm being told that that patient might be there. Dr. Nick, what do I need? Should, I, should this get rescheduled, um, and will it get rescheduled even without me asking? Or what should I look out for if I do have surgery? Um at that facility this week? I think that's a great question. I think um, being a, a faculty member at that institution, I can tell you that uh, the institution is taking every precaution to make sure that, number one, all patients are safe. Uh, we, um, I had about 15 surgeries this week, and they all went off as planned. And we're all being very cautious about making sure that no patients are exposed. Uh, and we're also being very aggressive about self Regulating and making sure that folks who have those symptoms are not coming to work. So we um, have not had any, you know, increase in cases or uh, identifiable um, epidemic at our institution. I think your surgery uh, at this point is very safe, and I also think that the institution and your physicians will be very responsible in letting you know if it's not appropriate to go forward. Let's go to Craig in North Bergen. Craig, welcome in. Hi, Anita. Hi, Dr. Nick. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes. Um, I have a, a little bit of a unique situation. I'm a 60-year-old type 2 diabetic. Um, I happen to have a, a case, a fairly decent case of um, bronchitis at the moment. I was just at the doctor about four or five days ago. The doc says I'm not contagious or anything like that. But what are my chances or are my chances greater to contract the coronavirus if I come into contact with someone who's been exposed? So, excellent question. I think the the actual contracting the virus is very similar among people. What's different is their their response and their illness. And in your situation, uh, having bronchitis at this time and also being a diabetic, were you to be exposed to the virus, you may be at higher risk for having more serious complications. So, you are correct in um, being attentive to that, and you should uh, take care to... Um, Avoid those situations where you may be exposed to folks who are who have those types of symptoms, and especially until you really recover from your bronchitis. At which point, your immune system will be more able to handle the to the virus if you're exposed to it. You have a great radio voice, by the way. It's very. <laughs> you're very kind. It's I it's guess about, it's better than saying I have like, a great radio I just, face. It's, it's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's warming and it's kind <laughs> of like, it's like, everything's going to be okay, people. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to survive this. Well, I think it's important um, to distinguish between fear and caution, right? We don't want to be, we don't want to panic, but we want to be really cautious. Absolutely. Um, one thing that also I'm hearing is that children are immune to this. I, I know that's not possible, but why is it? Do you feel that the children? It's I, whenever I'm I'm hearing that um, you know cases. Uh, the age the age range is the age range is like fifty to older. Why do you? Is it because children have better immune systems? Well, I think that uh, so. There are people who have 
become positive who are younger than that age range. I think that symptom development is more likely to be severe in folks who are older. So I think we're just seeing symptoms in patients who are older. Got it. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Javier in the Bronx. Javier, welcome. How are you, Anita? How are you, Dr. Nick? Great, thank you. Um, I have two questions, but of course I'm going to go with... uh, the coronavirus first is definitely more important. Um, the, the first question I want to ask you is, right, I'm a gym rat. I love going to the gym, uh, but I like living a little bit more than going to the gym. So uh, what would you advise me? Because I cannot, like, I'm like a, a health nut. Like, I cannot not go to the gym. Should I stay off for a few days? Like, should I not go to the gym anymore? Um, really good question. I was just at the gym today, and I um, I was thinking about the outbreak while I was running. And I think um, I would really hope to rely on other individuals' responsibility and say that if they're developing symptoms that are at all concerning, that they stay away from those situations. So if you have a cough, uh, sneezing a lot, fever, shortness of breath, things that may be indicative of a coronavirus infection, your best approach is to stay away. I think I wouldn't recommend staying away from the gym at this point um, because I think the benefit to your health of staying fit will actually help you where you to be exposed to the virus in terms of people who are in better shape will do better. If things change and we have much more of a widespread outbreak and we'll be able to tell more as testing becomes available, there may be changes to guidelines in terms of you know how you want to um, go about your daily business. What about what about the the incubation period uh, where you might have the virus but you don't have those symptoms, but you're a gym rat like Javier, or you you and I we both love SoulCycle. We spin a lot, which yeah. by the way, and uh, you know I, I wish SoulCycle would advertise with me. I've 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 begged them to, but um, you know they send emails out every day. Yeah. And and stating that they use a very strong disinfectant on all the bikes and to make sure that we feel safe while we're there spinning with them and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but what about that? What about those that are going to these public places and exercising and doing all these things, but they haven't seen the signs yet? There is that period where people will not be symptomatic and could still be um, contagious. But it seems to be that we haven't seen major outbreaks coming from these types of situations. We haven't seen major, again, a lot of this will come out as the testing becomes more widely available. I'm understanding there was like about 1.1 million tests are now available around the country. And so we're going to find out more, but I don't think it's wise to completely curtail our daily activities at this point. Um, But again, pay attention to any symptoms because if you can sort of self regulate and not expose other people when you have those symptoms, you're going to do the right thing. I don't want us to stop everything, but I want us to be wise about what we do. Um, I I was only going to keep you for 30 minutes, but our phone lines are blowing up and there's a ton of questions. Could we, could we, could we keep you for 10 more minutes? Of course. Is that possible? Okay. Danny Matina, I promise you guys will be first up. We've got Dr. Nick Morrissey in studio, associate professor of surgery at Columbia here uh, to get us more in the know and a little bit wiser in regards to the coronavirus and uh, the state of not just the NBA, but the NHL and Major League Baseball is, is going to start up soon and uh, and how we as sports fans should be a little bit more wiser 
uh, and in the know in regard to uh, attending these sporting events moving forward. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Marks with you on this Saturday afternoon here on 98.7 ESPN. Um, a little different show this afternoon, or I should say this evening, uh, because, uh, you know, we've, we've got some concerns here. 76 people tested positive for the coronavirus. And uh, and now our, uh, our professional sports organizations and associations are going to be making some difficult, difficult decisions. Did you hear what LeBron James had to say last night? Dr. Nick. No, I didn't hear so I know it was a late game last night. In fact, yeah. so I hosted I, I host a sports gambling show here yeah. on ninety eight point seven ESPN every Friday night from ten to midnight. Yeah. Um, I I went home and by the time I got home, fed the dogs, walked the dogs, put on my PJs. There was still nine minutes left in the fourth quarter <laughs> of the game. Uh, welcome to the West Coast, right? Yeah, right. So anyway, so after the game, LeBron James was asked. Um, was actually told about the memo that the NBA is sending out to the teams and that there's a chance that he was going to play in front of no fans. Yeah. And this is what LeBron James had to say to the media last night. Listen in. We play games without the fans? Yeah. No, it's impossible. I ain't playing. <laughs> I ain't got the fans in the crowd. That's what I play for. I play for my teammates. Play for, I play for the fans. That's what it's all about. So... If I show up to an arena and ain't no fans in there, I ain't playing. So they can do what they want to do. I just don't think that was a very wise thing to say. Yeah, I think um, you know, I'm actually kind of surprised. I, I am, t- that, I am but, too. I am too. I just know. don't. I just, here's the thing. I don't think it's like it's when you want to send that tweet and then you sit back and you go, well, wait a minute. Is this is this a wise tweet to send? Whenever I have to think about a tweet, I'm just like, no, you know what, Anita? Just delete it. Delete, 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 delete. I don't think he really thought about his response or the seriousness of why the NBA would go to such extreme measures. And I just don't think he was thinking last night. And it was late. It was after a game. I'm not sitting here making excuses for LeBron James. But I just don't think that was the wisest thing he's ever said. So along those lines, you know, I talked about medical conferences and things like that being canceled and rescheduled. One of the things we're doing, and I think other industries can do, is sort of the virtual attendance, right? So it's not the same as having a um, an auditorium or stadium filled with fans, but if it can be streamed or otherwise. You know, we do talks now via Skype and things like that, and the audience can still get the a lot of the flavor of it. Uh, that's another option. And this is, this will be temporary. Once we have a better understanding of how to control and contain the virus, we can go back to a normal lifestyle. And hopefully that will be sooner than later. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Danny in Long Island. Danny, you're up. Hi, Anita. Uh, hi, Doctor. Hi. Uh, I'm on speakerphone because I'm trying to read this quote off, uh, off I got from CNN today. My, my, my grandson was born at the hospital in Long Island on Wednesday that has the, the patient that's uh, confined there. So I have spoken to a person who has worked in the hospital, and my son is actually a, a professional at that hospital involved in patient care. My nephew was in the emergency room at North Shore, and my other son is on patrol in Manhattan as a police officer. And they all got similar uh, advisement from their professionals, because obviously everyone's concerned. And, I, and it matches what this doctor said 
on CNN today, I'd like to read you the quote. It's from Dr. Jeremy Faust, who is the emergency medical physician, Brigham and Women's Hospital. Quote, all this suggests that COVID-19 is a relatively benign disease for most young people and a potentially devastating one for the old and the chronically ill, a bet not nearly as risky as is being reported. It was his opinion that this is being grossly overplayed and that the person, my son said, they're going to test everyone in his hospital and they're all going to come up positive and not one of those people will ever show symptoms of this disease. That's the the professional opinion in some of these hospitals. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think that's a... um, a Somewhat of a dangerous approach in the sense that, especially in a hospital situation. Are we going to close the hospital down then because no, nobody's going to be able to come to work? No, that's not the way we want to approach it. But we do want to identify folks and because, you know, the hospitalized population is particularly at risk if they're Absolutely. exposed to the virus. So, you know, it's important to make sure that, you know, we don't want to overstate it, but we also don't want to understate it. And I think there's a tendency to just kind of say, everything, you know, yeah, most people are going to be fine and most people are not going to have severe symptoms. But the fact is this virus spreads very quickly and very easily. And we all know somebody in our life that is compromised immunologically. And if they get exposed, there's a very high likelihood that it'll have a bad outcome. So we got to take it very seriously. But, you know, panic and caution are very different things, as I said. Let's go to Matina in Norwalk. Matina, welcome in. Hi. Hi. Um, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. I have a question. Um, I know that all these professional organizations are taking precautions for their athletes and for the spectators, but as parents who have children in youth sports and organizations, what are some precautions that we can take as parents for our children who ha- uh, play contact sports, soccer, base, you know, not so much baseball, basketball? What could we do for our kids to kind of help keep them safe? I don't want to cause, you know, I don't want to live in fear, but I also want to be cautious. That's a really good question. I think uh, all of the, you know, thinking about kids especially because... Um, well, you you have you have a few boys. Three sons that are in uh, school in New York City. And, um, you know, they, we've talked about it and making sure, you know, one of them takes the subway to school every morning and he's attentive to making sure that, you know, if and you know if they're sick at all, we you know they stay home. We don't take chances for exposing other people, and I think that's how parents should approach all things: little league, um, you know, after school activities, school itself. Um, there will be more absences, but it'll be you know for the for the safety of the kids. If if you had a son who was playing little league, how what what concerns would you have for allowing him to continue to play little league? Yeah. So the other thing is, it depends on the season, right? So. That we're going to have a lot more information in the next few weeks um, in terms of who's who has the virus and who's um, and how to test and things like that. But I would say, in the absence of symptoms, it's okay to proceed with uh, with these activities, you know. But um, it's really more the responsibility of the parents who have the kids who may have some symptoms or who themselves have symptoms to keep those kids out of out of playing. If there's if the parents have concern that others are not going to be that cautious, then you can't argue with the idea of keeping them out for the time being. What what What's the significance in regard to the temperature outside? From what I understand, uh, colder weather, um, not so great. As we get into the warmer weather in the summer, um, that will help. How, how does that play out? Well, it's similar to like the cold virus. The people are more susceptible at extremes of temperature, especially cold temperature. This Virus, I think, is very similar to the to the SARS virus that was out several years ago that caused a lot of a similar 
similar concern. Um, so there can be differences in terms of temperature uh, when you're exposed. Let's go to John in uh, in the city. John, welcome in. Hi, thank you very much for having this show. Um, I am 54 years old. I am a year out of uh, radiation chemotherapy for head and I'm sorry for a neck and throat cancer. Um, should I be extra cautious? Am, am I somebody that needs to be aware? Um, you know, especially. So, um, folks who have cancer or undergoing treatment for cancer are immunologically much more susceptible to having a, a more serious course of the disease. If you're far out from the treatment and you're essentially considered to be cured, your risk is not as high as if you're actively undergoing treatment. But I would still be cautious, especially since you know you're, you had head and neck cancer. You may have some symptoms at baseline, which would be concerning. And if you were to develop an airway infection, a respiratory infection from a coronavirus, given the fact that you had head and neck cancer, you may have more of a difficult time with it. Let's go to John in New Jersey. John, welcome in. Hi. I, I, I have a lower bundle branch blockage. I have sugar. I'm 80 years old, and I've walked five miles a day. I'm just worried about, it. is it okay to walk outside in the air in the park, or is that a dangerous thing? So... Um, I think it's fine for you to walk out. The five miles a day is actually very good for you in terms of keeping your immune system and your health. Uh, your age right. is, is a factor that if you were to be exposed. But if you're out in the park um, and you're, you're not in such close contact with people, that's part of the issue here is transmission is generally uh, between folks who are closer together, you know, within six or ten feet of each other in terms of, and in terms of respiratory secretion. So I think you're safe in the park to, to take your walks. The bundle branch block that you talk about, a cardiac condition, um, can potentially increase your risk, but the walking will actually help you more than, than not. Um, I was at the bank today, yeah, and uh, the bank teller was wearing gloves, uh-huh. and he was he was young. I want to say he was like twenty. If I had to guess, I'd say he's like twenty three, twenty four years old. And and I asked him, I said, "How long have you been wearing gloves?" And he said, "My mom bought them for me, and this is my first day wearing them, but she made me wear them today." She, he said, "I think they're silly." And I said, "I think they're actually very, very wise because, from what I understand, um, money." Uh, and, and not that many of us carry cash anymore, but monetary paper cash money carries the 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 virus. Uh, um, like it's 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 a it's a big threat in regard to trans uh, transmitting the virus through cash, right? Well, most of the transmission is respiratory, and we're not a hundred percent clear about contact on surfaces, but we're making the assumption that surface contact. Uh, can can transmit. We don't know how long it will last on inanimate objects such as money and things like that. But, you know, his mother's approach, like what's the downside to wearing a pair of gloves for for a time until we really figure out what that risk is? There's really no downside. I mean, you know, I when I operate, I, I scrub my hands before surgery. But I in a, you know, one day in the hospital, I wash my hands 20 times easily. You know, and that's just part of my life. And I think we should all be really focusing on hygiene as the number one way to prevent the spread of this disease and to protect ourselves. It's it's really, you know, quite simple when you think about it. Um, Nick, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. 
um, so, so much more in the know. And it's evident that our listeners and our callers are really appreciated of your knowledge um, and your time and your information. So I thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I thank you. It. Thank you so much. Dr. Nick Morrissey, Associate Professor of Surgery at Columbia. Um, God bless and thank you so much. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.